podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. And welcome to this week's episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. Um, and this week, it is very hot. We are recording in extreme temperatures right now. We're all melting. But we've also got a nice friendly guest with us to help us melt in peace. Uh, so we've got... <laughs> I have no He's idea. Also right he now. also hot. He is also hot. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where you're going with that, Niall. We've got a very hot guest. That well, works. You know. <laughs> so, so just temperature wise, just temperature. Just temperature wise, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got the lovely uh, Toby Mancuso from Track Capital. Um, so I'm going to hand straight over to you, Toby, to tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, so I'm Toby here at at Track Capital. So we are a property investment company. So we specialize in introducing our clients to off-plan and new build property investments. I'm also a property investor myself. So I've got uh, an investment in the South and a a few in Leeds as well. Um, I've got a couple of uh, sort of small hats also. Uh, I've got a a pub um, and also... Uh, a beauty salon with uh well not me personally but my wife um my, my lashes are yeah these aren't natural by the way no, I'm joking. <laughs> um so yeah but the, the the main bulk of it is it's track capital the, the property investment company where we uh yeah specialize in in that so let's nice. move uh to the most important thing that you talked about there uh from Niall's perspective is the pub tell us more about that <laughs> Yeah, so pub, uh, funny enough, is actually something uh, I acquired when I was uh, 19 years old, funny enough. And um, yeah, it was, uh, I dropped out of uni, which is always a great idea, as you do. Um, so what do you do when you drop out of uni? You go and get a pub. So yeah, at the time, it was a sort of family business is um, from my from my father and uh, sort of then my brother got involved, etc. I went to uni, didn't like it. Um, so dropped out and thought, you know, I'll jump, jump into that. So first thing I did was got a pub, um, took out a 20 grand loan, got the pub in the middle of a recession, which is always excellent. And um, yeah, didn't become a raging alcoholic. So it worked out well. Brilliant. <laughs> Where is that pub? So it's uh, near Gatwick in a place called Crawley, where I was oh, uh, born and raised. Yeah, yeah. Well. So, so you, you so bought well. a pub in Crawley for twenty grand. Uh, yeah, well, it was a recession. Nobody wanted them at the time. Uh, that was just the least. You just you're just acquiring the leasehold, so yeah. it's brewery uh, sort of brewery owned. But yeah, it's uh, because nobody wanted them. They were chucking in the keys, and so yeah, we grabbed it, refurbed it, and to be fair, it's probably been the best performing one. We've had a few over time. Uh, that's still there. My, my brother runs it. Um, still going strong, great locals. I still know most of them, but then yeah, transitioned into property um, after that as well. Wow. Yeah, I'm also from Crawley, uh, born in Cookfields. Ah, uh, yeah, I now live near Cookfield, so I live in a village now uh, called Withersfield Green, not too far from Cookfield. So I drive through uh, Cookfield quite often when I'm dropping the kids off to, to the family in Crawley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. Uh, well, I didn't stay very long. I moved um, when we were about one, so. I remember nothing of Crawley. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the pub. <laughs> apart, apart from the fact it's now it is now one of our stomping grounds when we're when we're now developing. So uh, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I know it very well. Yeah. Cool, very cool. good. Wow. So, 
So, so you, you say most of your stuff that you do is new build now. So are you, are you building them, developing them yourselves? No. So there's probably two, two ways you can, I always sort of describe ourselves as a company when people ask that is we're effectively an estate agent for new building off plan properties. So developers will have, have the developments, they'll be building them out and they look for companies such as ourselves to then market them to, to purchase investors mainly. Um, and that's what we do. So we're kind of like a estate agency slash brokerage. So what we tend to do with our investors, we don't have just like one developer or one location we focus on. We have quite a, a wide range. We try and get as much of the market as we can. So we try and access as much of the market. And then when the, when the investors come into us, a lot of fact finding, find out what they want to do, what their strategy is, what their budget is. And then we'll look to them, sort of place them accordingly and give them lots of different options, talk them through them and see which is which is ultimately best suited and what they, what they prefer. Look at Matt's brain. He's thinking. He's yeah, thinking. he's gone into overdrive. Yeah. He's, 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 <laughs> this is what happens when he gets ideas. You give him something. Yeah. I mean, pre predominantly as well. So we're not dealing with your sort of hands-on. Yeah, armchair okay, investors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're very remote. A lot of overseas investors, a lot of southern investors that want to invest up north don't have the time, capacity, knowledge. Also, the risk element, if I mean, we're not dealing with secondary houses, so um, they haven't got to worry about refurbs or is the road a little bit nasty because these developments tend to be focused around city centre locations. We've got all the DD that's been done by the developers for, for what's going on in the local area, what type of tenants they're going to attract. You can see it. You've got rooftop gardens, concierge, cafes, that sort of thing in there. So it sort of brings that down. And we, 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 we bear no bones that we're not going to be able to produce as good yields if you're going to go buy a, a freehold house. But then on the other side, it's going to be very, it's going to be more hands off. Yeah predominantly less risk in that sense. And you've got 10-year warranties, you've got first two years, et cetera. You've got snagging and all that sort of stuff. So that that works for the type of investor that, that we attract. And your business partner's in Dubai, isn't he, Nick? He's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we also have, we're going to launch, um, hopefully at the end of this year, a, D a Dubai arm as well, because that's something that we've sort of dipped our toe in. Um, it's, it's actually been quite successful um but we haven't had the capacity to to launch that fully yet but yeah nick is based in dubai we have an office out in dubai he now has the developer connections in dubai um so later on this year we'll then be looking to take on um sales sort of members then focus on the dubai division we've got about five that focus on the uk so we want to bring someone now to focus on the dubai because uh, it's, it's an exciting market very sort of infant when you look at it compared to the uk market yes. but that said there's a lot going there uh which is yeah point in the right direction so far great cool yeah it's interesting so what does the human side of property mean to you then Toby? well human side of property to me i probably discovered very early on in my property well very early on yeah in my property journey so i how i transitioned into property was i was actually in um i hope your listeners don't hate me for this but i was an estate agent so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so apologies is there to... anything you haven't done you're a pub landlord you're an estate agent you're a <laughs> is there anything i haven't done um beauty therapist <laughs> god yeah good point yeah yeah exactly if you want put your nails done just come see me honestly Brilliant. it's absolutely fine Brilliant. um <laughs> but yeah so that's how i started off in property and i mean if anybody um i mean if you're in property you know sort of all the ins and outs of estate agents but so when i went into estate agent, i quickly learned for me what i when if you ask about the human side of property it's very very emotional 
very emotive. Now, I don't care whether you're doing it sort of you're moving up the property ladder and buying for yourself, find a family home, or even if you're just doing it as an investment as a business. Yeah. If you even if you're doing it as that, where you have to keep emotion out, it is still emotional because yes, you might not be emotional, emotionally attached to the property or the deal. You're still going to have to deal with stress, yeah. worry, maybe um, being upset if you if something sort of fall, falls out of bed and your, your, your deal goes sort of tits up, then there is going to be an emotional side to it. So it doesn't matter what sort of aspect of property you're in. It's very emotive. So when people say human side, it's that. And also the, the other side I always think about, which I've learned sort of very early on, it's a very sort of people orientated business you're dealing with people from different sort of ways of life different backgrounds you're dealing with solicitors mortgage brokers estate agents letting agents buyers sellers and you have to be able to understand how different people work think how they're sort of cogs turn in their head and if you if you don't understand that and if you're not i think sometimes you have to be like a chameleon you have to change your color and, and shape shift into different scenarios to deal with them because if not you can yeah things can go wrong very quickly so yeah it's a very people orientated business so yeah emotional and people orientated is, oh, is how i would describe it so true the emotional side of it definitely i was um in fact because I, I came on your podcast didn't i the pure property podcast a couple of weeks ago it would have been it was yeah. june and I remember the next day I was getting up and I was talking to a room of, of, of people about just that, the emotion of property and how you will go on this roller coaster from like, like you said, the stress, the anxiety, the worry, the, the low mood when, when it's not going right. But then you get the complete opposite of that when it goes really, really well and you get that high of a deal or you know finding the deal, getting it across the line, offer accepted or, you know, when it gets tenanted or, you know, when it, the, the refurb comes to fruition and you've got that, that and everything in between. Right. Yeah. And so when people say, oh, it's just, you know, it should be emotionless. You've got to remove the emotion from property. What are you fucking talking about? It's like the whole thing is emotional <laughs> from start to finish. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's, 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 it's impossible. And you, you see, I think that's why I said estate agency definitely introduced me to that very, very early because you're dealing with buyers and sellers. You're, you're dealing with stuff across the board. I mean, one day you're dealing with a probate where it's a beloved family member that's maybe passed and you're, you're selling that so that the emotional side of that and, or if you go a step further, then you've got family members involved in that and they're all arguing between themselves because they're trying to get the money out and they want it as quick as possible. Some people aren't fussed by money. So then you're trying to manage that side. So you imagine you're, you're managing emotions and people, or then you've got, you've got a divorce. So you're then got a marital split where you're going in one side loves you, the other side hates you. Um, and you've got, you've got to deal with that side. So it's, it's that, that was for me sort of very open and it, it helped me put me in good stead for when I started investing myself because you learn how to negotiate on both sides and you can kind of tap into maybe what the when the vendor says one thing they really mean another and and vice versa so all that side of things um yeah uh, helped helped massively yeah and is that what gave you the um i don't know the inkling or the the want or the desire to invest in property when you could see what other people were doing or was it a family i think that was it yeah, so that was it. I mean, I saw, I saw, I could see when I was dealing with with landlords. You could, I, I was always inquisitive, like trying to find out like how many property they got, how did they make their money, and I could see. It sounds maybe maybe bad to say this, but quite average people, but they yeah. were doing very well because they had sort of property to sort of help push them along, and I was, I was always intrigued by that. So when I first got into a state agency, I 
kind of said to my brother, I said, look, we need to, we need to jump on this bad wagon. This is, this is interesting. Like, I think we just, doesn't matter if we don't know all the ins and outs at the moment. Let's just buy something like the market's good. I bought, we, we bought the first one in Crawley and sort of, this is around, uh, God, how much is it? It's about eight years ago. So the market was sort of just sort of doing well, sort of take, taking off. And um, yeah, a property came up and I spotted the opportunity with the vendor. She needed to sell. Um, it was on the market and it was, it was that sort of, it was a bit of a tricky time because the market was good, but people were still hesitant to buy. So you could still go in and negotiate, even though the, you could see the market was creeping up. So yeah, we, we went in and, and secured that. And yeah, that then we just sat on that and sort of built on from that. So that was really when I've sparked my interest. And to be fair, that's done well over the years. It's increased the value. We've pulled out pretty much well all the money that we put into it, reinvested that as well. Um, but yeah, that's what sort of then set me on on that sort of journey. Um, and then yeah, later on, when I sort of went back to sort of being a wanting to be a bit more entrepreneurial, um, I liked a state agency, but I hated the, the the stress side. I hated not having as much control in the deals because there's so many external variances that can affect a deal. So you could go and put everything into a deal, get it secured, you negotiate, you're done. But then if there's a chain involved, that's out of your hands. Um, that might collapse, ruin the deal. If uh, the, I don't know, if the funds fall through at the bottom of the chain or if someone changes their mind last minute. So I was like, well, I don't, I don't really want to be doing that long-term. I mean, I'm, sort of receding enough as it is i don't want to be sort of bald by the time i'm in my sort of mid 30s so yeah that's when i started looking at setting up an investment business um and i i learned about a bit of a niche in terms of the new build and off plan and it's very straightforward because you've got new build properties there's no chains involved most of the time you don't have to do the mortgages straight away so again it's a very swift transition from them reserving up into exchange of contracts with things a very swift transition to obviously like an estate agent the developer pays us a fee so that comes a lot quicker than it would be an estate agency um, and there's loads of funnels that you can then come off of that i.e lettings business if we want to see down the line so that's that's what i came across nick and me and them sort of partnered up and, and then launched um track capital um it'd been running sort of softly in the background and then we fully relaunched it um March 2020, just when the pandemic hit, which was again perfect, perfect timing. Great I love. Timing, do, I yeah. think I love doing stuff. Yeah, recessions, pandemics. You know, throw something else at me. I want to. I want to. I want to sink my teeth into some sort of a event, which is yeah, ruining people's lives. Can't wait. Can't wait. As soon as the economy is on the cusp of destruction, that's when you're going to set up a business. That's when you oh, arrive. That's, that's what I'm like. Same. This is a great time to invest in something. Yeah. Well, it actually is. <laughs> it, I mean, that's where yeah, most, it, most businesses uh, thrive. Exactly. Yeah. In, in all fairness, it worked out well because I was still transitioning out of sort of the pub phase of that side. And my brother was then sort of transitioning more into that side. So because the pubs then shut down, I had no choice but to focus yes. on track capital. Um, yes. And the property market was one of the only sort of marketing industries that stayed going and thriving as well. Um, so it worked out fine. So at, at the end of the pandemic, we'd, we'd sort of flown off with, with track capital and, and it, it worked out really well because it had all of our attention. So yeah, can't complain on that side. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. And when did the podcast come about? Was that on the back of like sort of the business launch and you just thought, oh, hang on a minute, this would be a good idea to just get on the airwaves? Yeah. So obviously you, you see see podcasts and I thought, you know what, that Joe Rogan does all right. Should we give it a crack? Um, and then and then thought, oh, I just want to sort of, I just wanted to get our, our voice out there because I love waffling and, and talking about property. And Nick always said I, I could talk for property for days. So I thought, well, we might as well do the podcast because 
we've got we've got a database we've, we've got potentially people that are listening and it, for us as well from a business side of uh, side of things what we've noticed now later on down the line is we'll speak to clients and they've kind of already know us and bought into us because they can hear how we're talking about property on our podcast so we're quite sort of transparent quite honest we're sort of very real we talk about pros but we also talk about cons as well so we're quite transparent on that point of view because nothing's every 100% guaranteed or flawless so and then people hear that in us and they kind of buy into us so yeah we've had circumstances where people said oh look yeah i listened to that episode on on your podcast and i really appreciate that so that's why i've i've got in contact so yeah that's that's sort of how it was uh how it came about nick wasn't thrilled um but then when i sort of sold it to him and um, being the salesman i am um yeah he, he finally jumped on board and i twisted his arm a few times yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny on the back of um, recording on your podcast. I did a reel. I just did a reel. I said because I said I'll oh, go in balls deep on on property. <laughs> the, the subject matter that we got into, Toby, was slightly unexpected, yeah. unorthodox. We got into dildos and revolvers, <laughs> and no one quite knows how we got there. But we went there nonetheless. No. And I have to say, like it just. As a reel, it took off. It has something ridiculous, like 10,000 views. And lots of people sort of liked it and commented on it. And sort of like when we were talking about us to not the market. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Sex sells. Yeah, sex sells. Yeah. Sex, sex does sell, apparently. And, and knitted vulvas. Yeah, vulvas. and going balls deep. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I was dildos. You was knitted vulvas. And I don't quite know how either of us got there. But, yeah, that was, yeah. That okay, was, so uh, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I believe you've come prepared with a question for us, Toby. Yeah. yeah. Do you like yeah, knitted so... vulvas in your property? That's, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you could have one knitted vulva, <laughs> what, would it what would it look like? And how would you describe it? Um, no. <laughs> no. Um, no. No. I mean, if you want that to be the question, I mean, I'm more than happy to. I mean, Matt will to be, be the fair, first you could probably answer. see that. You can feed that. Maybe you can link that into the question. My my question. I always try and try and pretend I'm philosophical, but I'm not philosophical at all. Uh, so, I I like. I, I mean, it's a question I always ask myself. If you could go back and ask your younger or, or tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? And it could be property related. It could be business related. It could be emotional. It could be something but if yeah if you only had one thing you, you you zip back in in time you're grabbing your younger self and you've got one chance and one thing to tell them what would it be okay so how far back in time let's say you're starting secondary school so you're about to kick everything off so very young but you're very sort of still able to take it in and act upon it you know what? The first thing that popped into my head. So back in 2008, I was traveling. I was in Australia. I'd just finished uni. And I was, yeah, I had about 18 months off traveling around the world. And the market was crashing. Not that I really noticed, because why would I? I was just spending money on a credit card, you know, going around Thailand and all these other places, and um, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, I was working. It was fine. Um, but I just remember thinking, hmm. It's probably a good time to buy a property now. <laughs> I, and I had that thought in 2008. Of course, in Australia, and uh, I've historically been someone who thinks about things and doesn't do them. So yeah. um, well, uh, that's something I actively changed. Um, 
I have too many thoughts and don't act on them really. <laughs> too many ideas. <laughs> yeah, you would be you would be a very 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 busy man if you acted on every thought. Oh, you had. Yeah. <laughs> that brain. Huh? I just need a, a, a unlimited amount of money so I can go and get other people to go and do all these ideas. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think the, the the message to myself would be uh, act on it. Get your get your ass back to the UK because I think I'd already been travelling for almost a year so i was in like yeah get yourself back to the uk and just learn how to invest in property start investing in property just just do it because yeah i'd have been i'd have started when i was how old would i have been 22 23 23 so it would have been a good like seven years younger um so you would have known what you were doing i would have still doesn't have <laughs> no, no, I, I, I wouldn't have known what I was doing. I wouldn't really have known where to start. Um, property education wasn't a massive thing back then, but there were, there were, you know, I think there were people still around. So yeah, yeah. I probably could have found a course found in property them. investing. But do you think you would have been ready mentally in your head at 23? Um, well, remember, we're going back and we're telling our, we're changing history here, Joe. Okay. You know, so so <laughs> we're using what I know now to influence what I didn't know then or yeah. what I subconsciously knew but didn't act upon yeah so life would have been very different because obviously I had 10 years of being a freelance musician and gigging and you know all of that stuff which have helped to shape who I am yeah um that's exactly in, it yeah um so it's really hard because if you then go and change that one thing it's that uh, what, what do they call it that the effect butterfly effect yeah. you know, where um if you then were to change that then life would be would be a very different thing either you hope it would be positive, but actually it could be, could be negative. Yeah. But I suppose I do wish I started investing earlier. And I'm, yeah, I mentor people, coach people who are in their mid twenties. And, uh, yeah, I just like, yeah. In fact, <laughs> went on, uh, I was mentoring someone just last week and, uh, the guy's 19 year old son was coming along and he was about to buy his first buy to that property. Wow. So, um, and he'd got his deposit cause he'd saved his entire life in a, in an ISA. Um, had his 20k ready to put down on his first buy to that property um, and so the question was well are you happy to put that 20k down um, to get about 200 pounds a month <laughs> from from this very very simple buy to that property and it's like it's not just about that it's about doing the first one it's about the future and I was just like that's yeah. that. okay wow that is good impressive that's impressive yeah. so uh, but then that's different you know um, very different thing I would not have been do you think I would have been ready? But probably not, though, no, Jay, because I was very much going to be a freelance musician. I was going to be a session musician. I was going to make it in the music industry. That was my, I was determined. Um, now, all through my 30s, I'm going to make it in the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! By the, time, by the time I'm 40, I would have made it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be buying that clock, tickets. That clock's ticking, Matt. <laughs> Tell me, tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> We're about to get some really good reviews, though. We're about to get some really good reviews of national press. So uh, who knows? Oh, good on you. Yeah. Niall? Yeah, I think um, kind of similar to Matt um, in the sense that I definitely wouldn't have been ready um, earlier. Um, I think everything happens for a reason. But I think going back to start of secondary school, probably... Don't be, um, don't listen to what other people say as much, or don't take it as gospel, if you like, um, because what other what other people said 
uh, as or whatever people thought about me as for a long, long time. Um, kind of, I, I believed it. Um, and I tried to keep everybody else happy and that was detrimental to myself. So I think that was, uh, that would have been a massive learning for me at a young age is screw them. Don't listen to everybody else. Just think of number one. Mm. That is a good one actually. Cause I think that's a, that's a sort of attitude and mindset. That I think I would love to have a bit more of the, even now, I think yeah. at a younger age, it would have been more valuable, but even, even now, um, yeah, just to think screw it and just don't listen and just sort of be more headstrong i think's invaluable yeah. massively yeah definitely i think maybe sometimes i probably go too much the other way now and i i literally dig my heels in just for the slightest of reasons because i'm like no which is amazing it's an amazing uh, you know thing for a business partner yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of things suddenly make a whole host of sense if only we could undig those hills. If only we would you know, put a pair of skis on. They would flow a little bit more. Then no, no. So, so, yeah, that's the thing. Imagine that in a business conference. So what's your reasoning? Oh, I just don't want to. Don't that's fancy Nile. That's Nile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think mine's probably similar. It's probably a, a mixture of the two. I think the whole believe in yourself self message I think uh I think the high school you know you're just about to step into that whole being a grown-up transition and you're dealing with that let alone what the future holds and I think if I could give myself one piece of advice it's like whatever that thing is that you're naturally good at follow it you know follow it and believe that however it manifests because you don't know and you won't know that that's the path you need to follow not what everyone tells you you should be following because it's the correct academic route or you know whatever or you're you're rubbish at school and you know your maths is terrible and all of those things that you have to fight with when your your mind is so young and still evolving and you don't have the emotional frame of reference to manage that criticism or those that advice <laughs> mm. so yeah um I think I spent far too much of my time just doing what I was supposed to do and not what I am actually really good at. Um, so yeah, that would be, that'd be it, I reckon. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Do right. I have to answer my own yeah, question? You do. Yeah. Yes. Well, you guys missed a trick there because I would go back and I'd give the lottery numbers for one of the years that were coming up. <laughs> I'd, I'd win the lottery. I wouldn't care what anybody thinks and I wouldn't have to worry about anything else because I'd be absolutely minted. So that's what no, <laughs> I'm, jo I'm joking. No. <laughs> no, to be fair. And then you'd, you were in the wrong mindset. So in a few years, you'd be back at square one. And you'd be exactly. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is true. I'll just blow it all and be screwed anyway. But um, no, I think I'm, I've, always, I've always been torn between the two sides. So again sort of the emotional sort of maybe mental side of of making the younger self more mentally strong a bit like you both said um but then also maybe i've always if if you ask me sort of now i think off the cuff the first thing i would say was just buy a property as soon as possible at the youngest you can just buy a property um because prices are going to do this and that's that's probably what i'd say because like you mentioned about if you can't if, if like the butterfly effect well if i'm going to fall into property anyway i'm going to go through that journey anyway i might as well get a head start and buy the property as soon as possible and learn it all quickly as all quicker than i would if i just followed the the same journey going yep. forward so that's why i think i'd go back and just grab, grab myself so let's save every penny just buy a property doesn't matter what it is 
just buy it and just sit on it. And then, then, then you'll learn and go from there. So that's probably what I would do. Yeah. Probably a key thing there as well is it doesn't have to be the one you live in. In fact, it's not much easier if it's not the one you live in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's a very, fair. very difficult question. It is, but to be fair, a pub at 19, babe, I don't think you started too shabby, so... <laughs> yeah yeah in a recession yeah no i mean yeah there's some there's definitely some stories with, with owning a pub but uh especially when you when you've got all your mates around and stuff like that but it was uh it was some fun times but then i fell into property and uh yeah i wouldn't i would not change that for for the world to be fair it's very hard graft pubs so um i don't i definitely can do it now um 100 i mean it's it's not with a pub like that, when you're sort of running it yourself and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's a life. It's not like a job or something. You're there. It's your social life. You're working, everything like that. Very, very, yeah. I learned very, very quickly, probably grew up very quickly as well. But um, yeah, again, a lot of life, life lessons learned there. So I wouldn't change that. Yeah. Um, same, same with property, a lot of interesting stories in property and stuff learned in property and, yeah, especially being an estate agent and yeah, going into all these different houses and dealing mm. with some very intricate and different people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's good. And I wouldn't definitely wouldn't change it at all. And I, and I enjoy, it. I think the one, the one thing, I mean, me and Nick always laugh about this because Nick says, I, I, I enjoy and like property. He just enjoys like sort of the business side. Yeah. And he always says that to people. Um, and that's probably the difference where I do finally, enjoy property can talk about i love talking about the market seeing how the market moves maneuvering in different markets doing sort of negotiating deals doing deals um helping investors and seeing people do well in property as well or or having a good deal come off it's um yeah it's it's brilliant so i definitely wouldn't change that for the world at all yeah amazing interesting question then Uh, uh, your business model relies on developers building new Mm -hmm. builds and getting planning permissions having a plan uh, how do you view the market right now over the next and, and, and the coming years? Because obviously your business model depends a lot on developers developing. And the first yeah. thing that will happen in a property crash is developers stop developing. Yeah. So there's there's yes and no. So what we tend to see in our, in our business model is some developers will stop developing, but other developers will. And they'll always need to sell their stock. So there will be some developments, but yes, of course, they will reduce. So that's something we have to bear in mind. In terms of the market, at this moment in time, look, I I just think the media is playing a very good job of making it seem a lot worse than it is. I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, prices are still rising. I think what we're seeing and where the media are doing very well on putting the negative connotation is all we're seeing is the market call. It's not not going down. It's just we've been at an abnormal level for a couple of years now with the pandemic, everything, all the pent up demand, all the money sort of put in some from QE, quantitative ease and all that sort of stuff, loads of stuff going on and the market just went crazy. And all we're seeing now is it come down to normal level. And if you look at the levels it was at pre-pandemic, we're still above that. And we're apparently in in a bad market. We're not. It's just going to come down to more... to to a more manageable level. So we're seeing a correction. I don't think it's going to drop. I don't think it's going to crash in the next year to two years because the fundamentals which drive the property market at this moment in time aren't indicating any sort of crash or price drop. Yes, a slight calling. But when you look at demand, I think it's like the latest home track report saying like 40% demand is up 40%. And supply is like down like 
20 to 30%. I can't remember exactly. So even if you took 50% of demand out of the market, it's still going to be up 20%. And 50% is a big chunk of the market. It takes a hell of a lot to get that out. Um, so that main sort of driving factor with property prices is obviously supply and demand. There's obviously other factors, but that's the main one. That's not going to change anytime soon. We, we, we haven't got enough homes. We're not going to be able to build enough homes. So that unless someone's got a magical wand to change that, that's not changing anytime soon. What people do is they relate what the media says now to the financial crash, but the financial crash was different. That was banks weren't lending, money wasn't getting put out. So people couldn't buy. People can still buy now. You might have some of the market drop out, but people can still buy and they will buy. So that's why I don't think, I think it's just going to steady. I'm quite optimistic for this year. I'm probably saying sort of probably six to 8%. I reckon annual rise we'll see sort of as an average. Um, and then it will start to maybe sort of come down slightly over the next year to two years, um, unless something throws another spanner in the works. But that's that's my personal opinion. But what about you guys? Pretty much agree with what you're saying yeah. there. So, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a similar conversation when I was on your podcast, didn't we? Kind of same sort of pro projection, which is all it ever can be. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always use I always use an example. I mean, again, when you're dealing with property as well, why I always ask the, the question if people are if they go look, the market's going to crash. One question I ask is, well, what are you in it for the for the medium to long term, or are you looking to flip a property? Okay. If you're looking to flip a property in the space of two three months. The uncertainty there might, if you're not experienced enough and you haven't got a couple of extra plan Bs and plan Cs, then yeah, you don't want to be looking at that. But if you're looking to hold medium or long term, you've only got to look at the track record of the property market to know that you will do okay. If not, you'll do very well. Exactly. So as long as you're holding it and you're going in for the right mindset, then there's no issue. If it crashes tomorrow, that's irrelevant because that's just a monetary value. As long as your rent's still the same and you've got a good tenant demographic in and that's going to pay the rent and, and able to pay that rent, et cetera, and you're covered on that side and you're loan to value, you're not overexposed, et cetera. What have you, what have you got to worry about? I don't, mm. it's, it, and another, the best story I always use with when I talk to clients to ask that question is I've had two scenarios where I've had um, investors say that because of um, something um, in, with the economy that they, they're not going to invest. The first was Brexit. I remember when I was an estate agent and I was working in Surrey and Brexit was, was first, the referendum was first announced. I remember I was chatting to an investor. I mean, why are you even inquired? And then when I call you, you say, actually, I'm not going to because I'm worried about Brexit. I don't know, but thanks for wasting my time. Appreciate that. <laughs> but then, then when I when I say, okay, you're interested in this property for buy to let, et cetera. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to wait for the market to crash. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, with Brexit, the uncertainty, the economy, it's all going to crash and then I'm going to buy. And I went, you might be waiting a while, but I, I understand your thought. If, if you're not, if you are worried, I get that. If you, if you don't believe in it, then there's no point investing. Anyway, what happens over the following six years, property prices go up and up and up. So that opportunity costs from him waiting for a crash which is like waiting for the unicorn to appear out my window now it's you don't know if it's ever going to happen i mean I, I don't think a unicorn ever will come but the crash probably might at some point never say um, that. if it does yeah, never say i'll be monetizing that in no time but um but yeah and then the, the other time was when the, the when the coronavirus uh hit and um, again, I spoke to an investor and rightly so, they thought the market had a crash and I had sort of some data and I remember about April time, so after the March, about April time, I actually did a video presentation on it, why I thought the market was going to crash. And again, lo and behold, what did the market do with that one investor who didn't invest? It went up and up and up. So look, we're, we're not fortune tellers and if we were, uh, I 
yeah, I'd be a very rich person. Um, but it's again, it's a, if, as long as you can look at the fundamentals, look at the market, and if you go in the right mindset, it doesn't really matter. But for me, the opportunity cost of not investing right here, right now can be massive and the saying always goes the best time to invest in property was yesterday yeah totally yeah 100%. always and it's always. especially like if it, all those people that sort of sat and when when brexit hit were like i'm just gonna wait for it to blow over and then you yeah. know a couple of years in then corona blew in so in total three years brexit more or less give or take and two years corona that's five years of yeah. not investing in total i mean massive. Like, look what the market's done in that space of time. Like you said, like it's nuts. Yeah, it is crazy. And I, I the, one of the other stories from Stacey is I always came across people. They never said, I'm so glad I sold that property 10 years ago. But I always heard, oh, I wish I never sold that property 10 years ago. Look what it's worth today. Yeah. Or I wish oh, I'd bought. I wish this. I'd bought. I wish I'd never Yeah, started. I wish I'd bought. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it, I mean, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And um, it's not for everyone. It's a big risk. It's a lot of stress. Um, so I, I do get that. But yeah, that just frustrates me. And I had I had another call, actually, sorry to sort of say another story. So I had a call with a client who was telling me again, this was three months ago. And he told me the market was going to crash. I asked him why, and he had no idea. <laughs> I don't mind. If you think the market's going to crash and you say, you know, I've been looking at the stock markets and Warren Buffett said this and uh, the, the prime minister is doing this, blah, blah, blah. I, I get that. You've got reasoning. But when I ask you why you think the market's going to crash and you just go, I just think it's going to crash. I'm like, okay, brilliant. Well, I think aliens they're, exist. Doesn't mean They're never going to invest. They'll never yeah. invest in anything Ex with that well, attitude. Funny enough, I, I had a conversation and I kind of, I didn't get pissed off, but I kind of like, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time speaking to you. And now you've just said that. And I was like, I'll tell you what, I went through all the data or again, all the fundamentals of what I think the market's going to do. Okay. Went through what's going on at the moment. And it was kind of like, mm, yeah, okay. And then I went, what I'm going to do in three months time, you think the market's going to crash. It's going to go start going down from now. He said, yeah, I said, I'll call you in three months. And I said, if it's gone down, I will literally eat my words. If it hasn't, then you know I'm not full of shit. And he was like, oh, uh, okay. And lo and behold, it didn't go down. So I did call him um, and he kind of was a bit sheepish. And I said, I remember the conversation with his, oh, he goes, oh, I've actually, I think I, uh, I might be buying something now. So I've got to go buy. And then just that's it. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So yeah, I did. Uh, and he won't have bought. You know, like, bought a pizza. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't. He's probably bought something similar size to that car on the back of your shelf there and <laughs> called that his next investment, his house. But um, yeah. Yeah. This is an appreciating asset, I'll have you know. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone is talking about it. It's been <laughs> recommended so many times on this podcast. It really to... has. Yeah, so, it gets a lot of people that they go and point at that. <laughs> You need, to, you need to have an affiliate link so you can post this out there. You can get people <laughs> to click on it and start making some money off it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's on Instagram page. <laughs> you'd be laughing, you'd be laughing. But yeah, no. So, so I've heard Joe's horror stories from property. Have you two got any horror stories? Yes, you do, boys. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talked about them on uh, many previous episodes of Property Jam. So if you want to go and listen to... <laughs> so what, what's your, what's your favourite horror story? Favorite which, te which, which, te which technically means your worst one, which you think back and you go, <laughs> that has to probably be well for me is the the buy to let that uh, we in uh, Burnley. Mm -hmm. uh, love I love Burnley by the way, um, but I, I was going to say I sense a butt coming on there. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we've got a, we've got a portfolio of buy to lets up there and. Um, went up to do an inspection again this was mentioned before in the podcast 
uh, tenant had moved out, uh, forgot to tell us that they were moving, just sent us a message. Uh, by the way, I'm back in my own home country and I am no longer living in your house since two months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was really pissed. It really pissed me off because number one, there were really good tenants in the sense that we got our rent on time every month without fail. And mm-hmm. she would send me a WhatsApp message to confirm it being paid. Everything was good. And then suddenly, no rent for a little bit, no response from the text messages or WhatsApp messages, um, couldn't get through to them. And then message then to say, we're back in our own country. Um, so we didn't have any keys to get into the house. Um, I'm in London. The house is in Burnley. Um, the person that was looking after them on the ground went AWOL, so we couldn't get through to her either. So um, myself and Matt decided we're going to do a road trip do a, the, like a review of all the portfolios in the Northwest, spend three or four days there and just, you know, record everything. And uh, went to the house, got a locksmith with us, brought our camera guy with us as well, because we had no idea what we were going to see. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were very disappointed when I walked in through that door. It's just like they had left the place in an absolute tip. There was... Uh-huh dirty nappies all over the place there were old kfc boxes with chicken bones left in them um they had taken pretty much everything out of the house because it it started off life as a minimo Mm. so we had it we had it furnished as like a three-bed hmo so it had beds wardrobes bedside tables in all of the rooms um it had a suite of furniture and a tv washing machine all those usual white goods and everything literally Anything that was of any form of value had disappeared, and they just left us with shitloads of KSC buckets, lots of dirty <laughs> nappies, baby toys, um, old clothes. Honestly, we could have set up a, an Oxfam shop in that house. There was so much rubbish. Um, yeah, so that was probably the most memorable of them all. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Plus the GP that gets undressed every single time before he goes into his bedroom. That's my favourite of, of all your tenants. I talk about that one a lot. He, just, he enters the HMO, Toby, and he just undresses and leaves his clothes outside the room and then goes in his room. So all his housemates that run the risk of potentially seeing him disrobe before he goes in his bedroom. I just think that's awesome. Like, why would you do that? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a little trail following him no matter where you are. There's little yeah. shoes and clothes and stuff is, yeah. is it like a cleanse before he goes into his room is i think like, it must be he's leaving work behind and yeah. he walks into his bedroom release the demons bed. and all that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think it's great yeah so God. yeah you should live with him then because the housemates are not so keen <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I told that to a bunch of students the other day i, I don't know why i just mentioned it but some about, about this particular tenant and they were all like justifying his actions They're like, oh if he's a gp then he probably is exposed to you know to, to covid and he's probably i'm like so, so what? He just disrobes and leaves COVID to float about the communal space. But as long as he's all right, Jack, in his own private space. Like, how does that make any sense? And they were all like, on his side. I'm like, no, 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 students. No, <laughs> this is not good behaviour. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. Silly. Really silly. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, um, so we start to wrap things up and we finish with a, um, episode, a, a episode roulette. <clears throat> So for our first time listeners, um, this is where we're going to scroll through previous episodes of Property Jam and um, we ask Toby to say stop um, and then we'll ask you your opinion on that particular topic. So I am now scrolling. Okay. Stop. Okay. So 
so we've got to cover this little bit. It's episode 36, uh, Lockdown Lowdown. So um, we, we did an episode where we talked about um, what lockdown was like. <laughs> what was lockdown like for you? What was lockdown like for me? Uh, I was stuck at home uh, with uh, a wife and two kids uh, celebrating the my wife's 30th birthday with a game of Monopoly <laughs> and a bottle of Cristal, which I'd saved for her birthday. But obviously we were going to celebrate when we sort of going to go where we were going to stay that fell through every everything that i'd arranged for her birthday fell through so we had monopoly and the crystal and the kids there and zoom with her friends uh it, it also involved me having my hair shaved off um because my wife uh got drunk and would be hilarious on a facetime to shave my hair off which um that was, this was, a, uh, was this as a result of the bottle of uh crystal no no this, this was this was another time it definitely involved a lot of drinking i'm not gonna lie there was um alcohol multiple occasions um don't worry it was a safe environment from the kids so no no kids were harmed in the making of the coronavirus instance um but... maybe other kids were made though yeah no you mean, yeah no yeah so ba- baby number three is actually a lockdown baby um yeah so yeah so that but but um out of that came up so i've got two two girls and i've now got a boy um so i got a lockdown baby boy but yeah what i mean lockdown really because it it kind of is just a blur and i don't know if that was due to the alcohol or just with everything going on but no in all seriousness it just it was just a strange time we just stayed in the house we're quite lucky where we are because we've got a lot of greenery we've got fields and we can go for walks so managed to get out and do things and it might just be me but at the time i was like wow we need to do this more often yeah i feel so good and i don't do it anymore <laughs> I, do- <laughs> I had a bike which i started riding um which i don't ride anymore um but it, it definitely it made me appreciate it a lot more but yeah i just spent it inside um working as well like i mentioned we launched track capital so i was working um but yeah it was it was strange strange times but that's that's it for me but do you know what the one thing i will say is we, we did have good memories as in like having some good sort of uh zoom calls with friends and that sort of zoom quiz nights um yeah yeah, there was one where i think i was dressed as elsa from frozen and we won't go any further than that um um, what else uh yeah no just good times really it was really uh was was fun in a way we made the best out of a bad time let's just say that love it yeah amazing well, I think we, that's probably all we've got time for today. So thank you very much, Toby, for being with us. Uh, if people want to find out a bit more about what you do, how can they reach out? Yeah, you can find me on all the socials. So um, Toby Mancuso uh, Property is, is if you search for that, you'll find me. YouTube, Instagram, all the usual uh, nonsense. LinkedIn as well. But yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I've, uh, it's been good. And uh, I've been looking forward to this after having Joe on um on on ours so i knew it was always going to be fun and interesting so thank you very much Um, thank you very much toby will that be a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me that's a goodbye from me bye jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see See you on the next next episode. episode